On today's episode, it's story time. We're going to talk a little bit about how I became a diehard fan of the Kansas Jayhawks. That, plus the Mount Rushmore of figures in KU basketball history. This is Wave the Wheat. What's up, everybody? You are listening to Wave the Wheat, a podcast dedicated solely to Kansas Jayhawk basketball and all that implies. I'm your host, Swaff, coming to you live from my private recording studio, aka my wife's closet. Let me explain. I recorded episode one in my garage. Now, let me explain. I have a two-year-old, and I am not exactly an expert in parenting, not saying that at all. What I am an expert on is knowing that two-year-olds don't let you get anything done. So I thought it was best to relegate myself to somewhere where my two-year-old could not interrupt. And it turns out, you may have heard it on episode one, you could hear my my beverage refrigerator in my garage kind of humming in the background. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I definitely did, and it bugged the crap out of me. So plan B, you got to do what you got to do. It takes what it takes. So we're here live from my wife's closet. And in my opinion, this actually sounds really well. So this may be a permanent deal, maybe a selling point when uh, we put the house on the market here uh, when the time is right. Private uh, private recording studio included. So uh, episode two, Obviously, we have no basketball to talk about. We kind of went through that in episode one. So I want to tell a little story, do a little history on how I became a diehard fan of the Kansas Jayhawks. That plus we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of people in the history of Kansas Jayhawk basketball. And we'll do that at the end. Um, So right to it. Story time. Full disclosure, I am 36 years old. I am a lifelong resident of northern Texas, north of Dallas, about 40 miles north of Dallas. Um, I never lived in the state of Kansas. I did not go to the University of Kansas. So you may be asking yourself, so how in the world did you become a fan of the Jayhawks? And that's a fair question. I get that all the time because anyone who knows me, anybody who works with me or anybody who's in any kind of social circle, follows me on social media or whatever, knows that when it comes to things outside of, you know, family, job, stuff like that, when it comes to leisure time, priority number one, first and foremost, is the Jayhawks, Kansas Jayhawk basketball. And I get this question all the time. Well, well, Swaff, why why are you how did you why are you a fan of Kansas? You didn't go there, you didn't live there. What's up with that? And so I thought I would tell the story. So I'm 36 years old, born in 1983. For reference. So the whole 1988 Danny and the Miracles doesn't really apply to me. I don't remember watching that. Clearly wasn't savvy enough or had any kind of awareness whatsoever beyond I want goldfish and I want apple juice to know that, hey, Kansas Jayhawks, I like those guys. So let's fast forward to the 96-97 season. And anybody listening to this podcast is well aware of the 96-97 season, the guys who were on that team, so your Jacques Vons, your Ryan Robertsons, Scott Pollard, Rafe LaFrance, Paul Pierce, 
TJ Pugh, I believe, I believe was on that team. Uh, Nick Bradford was a freshman. So a lot of guys that had a huge impact on the program were on that team. Now, 96-97, go back in time, little seventh grade swath, finally able to stay up to watch the 8 o'clock game on Big Monday. Parents did me a solid there. And you got to keep in mind back then you only got a couple of games on a national network per week. You'll get a couple of games on ESPN. You may get a game on Saturday in the afternoon on CBS. You may get a game on Sunday on CBS. We definitely weren't able to watch every second of every game of every team in Division One like you can now. So I was only able to watch who was on TV. And it just so happens the Kansas Jayhawks were on Big Monday in that 8 o'clock time slot quite a bit. They still are. So as I'm growing up in, in, in the seventh grade watching uh, the Jayhawks, let's go back to that team, 34-2 and two overall record. 34-2. and two. The only two games they lost, they lost in double overtime at Missouri by two, I think. And they lost to the eventual national champions, Arizona in the Sweet 16. Pretty freaking good basketball team to, to get your beak wet, so to speak. No pun intended on Kansas Jayhawk basketball. So that was when I kind of identify with a lot of those guys. Because again, going through the roster, Jacques, Rafe, Scott Pollard, Paul Pierce, really, really good basketball players, really good teammates, really good dudes. So it was really easy to pull for those teams. And I remember being disappointed when they lost at the end of the season. Obviously, in, in year one as a, as a hardcore fan, you, you, don't, you don't know what you don't know. I thought it was disappointing that they lost. I wish they would have won. But as a little 13-year-old, you kind of shrug it off and you move on. Well, the next year, 97-98, not quite as good as 96-97, but still pretty freaking good. I think they lost four games that year. And I remember as I'm watching them on TV, they, they keep talking about, hey, this might be the year. We, we might get past the disappointment of not getting it done in 97. This team may have what it takes to, to win it all. So I was pumped. When we, when we got to the tournament in 98, I was pumped. And sure enough, we get the rug pulled out from under us in the second round by Rhode Island. And, and I remember, and anyone who knows me knows that when I get into something, I'm all in whether it be Kansas Jayhawk basketball or I, I was a I was a cyclist for a while. I love riding road bikes. I played disc golf. I mean, just things that like, hey, come do this with me one time and I do it. And if I like it, I'm in. So um, ever since then, I've been a hardcore fan. Uh, I got into high school. It was the 98, 99 school year. Went my freshman year um, to camp in Lawrence in the summer. This is the summer before Nick Collison and Kirk Heinrich were freshmen. And you got to keep in mind, back then, we didn't have any kind of social media, so I didn't really know who those, who those guys were. They had already signed to play at KU, but I had no idea who those guys were. So, funny story, I'm at camp in the summer of 99. I'm a fish out of water. I don't know anybody. I get my little lunch in the cafeteria. I go, I you know 
quintessential scene where you're kind of panning through the cafeteria, the dining hall area. Don't know where I'm going to sit. Everyone's got friends. Everyone's sitting with their buddies. I'm kind of standing there. Look like I don't really know what I'm doing. And I hear someone say, hey, bud, do you need somewhere to sit? And I look over and it's two white guys. And, and I was like, yeah, I, I do. And they say, hey, come sit with us. So I go and sit down. Two, two older kids. They're clearly older than I am as a freshman in high school. And so I go sit down and they're like, hey, what's your name? I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Swath. How about y'all? It's like, oh, I'm Nick. And this is uh, Kirk. We're going to be freshmen at KU. It was Nick Collison and Kirk Heinrich asked me to come sit down at their table because they were there working the camp, I guess. I guess you could do that back then. But Nick Collison, and, and I'm forever, and I'll get into this when we get into the Mount Rushmore, I am forever indebted, I guess that's the right word, maybe not indebted, but I'm forever grateful, I will forever be a fan, I will forever fall on the sword for Nick Collison because of what he did that day at KU basketball camp in the summer of 1999. So from then on, I was hooked. You, you cannot tear me away from the Jayhawks. And even as like a, a high school freshman and sophomore, I was all in. And you got to keep in mind, in, in North Central Texas, not a whole lot of people are like, who? I mean, you knew of Kansas. They're a blue blood. But it, it, it's not Duke. It's not Kentucky in the eyes of high school kids. So it's like, it was, I was always the odd kid. They're like, who's your team? Well, I, I, I'm a Duke fan. I'm a Kentucky fan. Who do you like? Well, Kansas. Why? Are you from there? No. Do you have any family there? No. So it was always kind of, I was always kind of that one guy. And I kind of relished being that one guy who I'm the fan of the team that no one else is a fan of. So I was all in. And it kind of culminated in with the heartbreak of 2003 for a couple reasons. First and foremost, we finally get to the national championship game and we lose. And that was really the first time that you could really, really taste it. And then it gets away. So that was heartbreaking. I was a freshman at college. I remember almost being in tears in my dorm room watching that championship game and Michael Lee's shot gets blocked. I, I remember almost being in tears as a as a 19-year-old young adult and again some people the the kids I was watching it with they're just kind of there to enjoy a, a basketball game on tv and they're like what's that guy's deal why is he so upset why is he yelling calm down it's just a game bro no not just a game this is life so you combine that with a couple weeks after that obviously Roy, Roy Williams leaves to go home to go to North Carolina I was a huge Roy Williams fan. Um, he was he was incredibly gracious at his camp, from what I remember. He he took time to come visit all the separate gyms to talk to all the separate age groups. Um, I thought that was really cool. He's he's obviously a, a high class individual. Anybody that knows him thinks very highly of him. He's a really good basketball coach. And he, and he played a style that was really, really fun to watch. I remember the, the, the 2003 tournament. I mean, we're putting up like 94, 95 points a game. That's fun. 
That is fun to watch. And it's and you're watching guys like Nick, like Kirk, Keith Langford, who I played against in high school. Guys that guys that you, you feel a connection to, guys that you really respect. So all of that, losing the game, losing your coach, losing Nick and Kirk, and and, and where do we go from here? This was probably the one time that my fandom was truly tested. When when Coach Williams left, who are we going to hire? Bill Self? I mean, I knew of Bill Self because he, he beat our tail when he was at Illinois and we got revenge the next year. But I remember, and I was not alone. I was not alone in this train of thought. Like, really? I mean, I know he's a good coach, but are, are we going to... Are we going to resort to to Big Ten style bully ball, dry humping guys up and down the floor on? Like that's not what we're about. And I remember, like, is this going to work out? And apparently, I wasn't the only one. If you've read Jason Jason King's book, uh, that kind of goes behind the the scenes of the Bill Self era, because he's won the Big Twelve basically every year he's been here. But if you go read that book. The guys that that were holdovers from Roy to Self, I mean, they did they weren't sure either. And there was a lot of turmoil that first year in 0304. And I remember that that was that little brief little period, that one or maybe two year period is when my fandom was probably tested the most. But um shame on me for ever doubting Bill Self. And and I may do an episode someday. strictly devoted to the greatness that is Bill Self but shame on me for ever doubting that guy because he got it he got the ship righted he built a a foundation recruiting class now they lost to to Bradley in 06 in the first round but you you kind of saw it and then the next year in 07 they get to the Elite Eight and then in 08 obviously win the whole thing but from then on, I mean, my fandom is as strong, and it only grows year after year. Even, even maybe, even the there were some some maybe lean times. Um, the 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 fourteen fifteen like the Andrew Wiggins, the loss to Wichita State, um, the eighteen nineteen season, and we talked about about that season quite a bit in episode one. Even then, I I watch every second of every game at least once. I love talking about the team. Now, unfortunately, here in the the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, I don't have many people to talk about the Jayhawks to, and that's a big part of the reason why I'm talking to you guys today. But my fandom is as, as strong as it has ever been. Now, I'm lucky. I married, I married uh, my wife in 2008, so she was there... Well, we were engaged. We were engaged in 2008 when they won the national championship. She's extremely supportive of the fanaticism. She goes to games with me. She lets me watch every second. She watches. She's a fan. She loves the guys. She gets she gets connected to the guys. She loves uh, one of her favorites of all time, obviously, Frank Mason. Big fan of Svee, Mikhailuk. Um, she she kind of builds that connection as well because she's a good she's a good wife in that she gets into what I'm into. So that's the story. 
I, and I'm lucky I married into someone who's accepting of this obsession. I'm lucky that she has family. Her, her mom's family is from Kansas. So we have family in, uh, in-laws in Wichita. We have in-laws in Overland Park. One of her cousins, so I guess my cousin-in-law, went to KU Med School. Um, so he's a big fan as well. He's always someone I can text or talk to about about the games. And her her uncles, my, I guess my uncles-in-law, one of them in particular is a big basketball fan, so it's always great to talk to him. Anytime I go to a game in Lawrence, I can always stay with them, have a good um, good end to possibly get tickets. So worked out perfectly. It's a great setup for someone who's a diehard Jayhawk fan who's not in the area. So that's the story um, of how I became a fan and why I'm here and talking to you guys about what I'm talking about today. Um, I want to get into, uh, secondly today, I want to get into the Mount Rushmore of figures in Kansas basketball history. So everybody knows what Mount Rushmore is. It's that thing on the side of the mountain, four presidential faces carved into a mountain. Um, We're not talking about uh, presidential history today. But everyone's kind of aware of what Mount Rushmore is. And if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore of blank, you kind of have an idea of what that means. Now, some people may say, oh, you're just stealing a bit from, pardon my take, they do Mount Rushmore all the time. Well, yeah, but they st- it's not like they invented Mount, they didn't carve Mount Rushmore. They didn't invent the bit of doing a Mount Rushmore of something. So... Very quickly, the kind of the rules of Mount Rushmore, when you do a Mount Rushmore of something, today we're doing figures in Kansas basketball history, the rules are you only get four. There are four faces on the mountain. You only get four. No ties, no 1A, 1B, no honorable mention, but I'm going to break that rule today. I'm going to do some honorable mentions, maybe a second Mount Rushmore, um, but you only get four, okay? And... There's a key difference when you do a Mount Rushmore. You can either say this is the Mount Rushmore of figures in KU basketball history, or this is my Mount Rushmore of figures in Kansas basketball history. And there's a very important distinction between the two. If you're going to do the Mount Rushmore, then it would be as if we did a poll. We polled all KU fans worldwide. Who would likely be the four faces on the Mount Rushmore. That's the Mount Rushmore of figures in KU basketball history. So that's just kind of the accepted, if we did a a peer-reviewed article in a scholarly journal of basketball fandom, who would the four faces be on that mountain? That's the Mount Rushmore of KU basketball figures. The other is my Mount Rushmore of KU basketball figures. So I don't have to go with the accepted logic. I can just pick my four, whoever I want. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best player or the, maybe the best coach. It could be someone on, on your personal Mount Rushmore. It could be someone who has a significant impact on the program. It could be, um, and we'll get into this, it could be somebody who was a great contributor to the program 
or the game of basketball as a whole. Spoiler. So um, we're gonna do we're gonna do two. We're gonna do, in my opinion, what is the Mount Rushmore of figures in Kansas basketball history, and then we're gonna do my personal Mount Rushmore of KU basketball people. Now I, I, I've said it multiple times, and I, it's not by accident. Figures. If I just said uh, Mount Rushmore of Kansas basketball players, well, then that excludes a lot of people. It excludes a lot of people who are going to be on these lists. So figures, coaches, contributors, players, etc. Okay, so here we go. In my opinion, the Mount Rushmore of figures in Kansas basketball history. And this is not in any particular order other than chronological. So from the beginning of the program to now. Not necessarily one, two, three, four. So in order, the first is got to be James Naismith, the inventor of the game of basketball. If it weren't for James Naismith, we would not even be having this conversation right now. So in my opinion, he's got to be the first face on the mountain. Hands down, no debate. Secondly, we're going to move ahead in time a little bit. My second on what I would think would be the Mount Rushmore, Wilt Chamberlain. Now, a lot of people could make an argument, oh, well, Wilt never did this or Wilt never did that. I don't think you can debate the fact that Wilt Chamberlain was one of the most dominant players in the history of the game. And I think it's unfair because when you look at lists of greatest players of all time, he's he's often left off, and I don't really understand why. I think he's overshadowed by Bill Russell because Bill Russell won so many titles. But in, in terms of sheer ability to play the game and in terms of impact on the game as a whole, I think Wilt Chamberlain is far superior to Bill Russell, and he belongs on the short list of greatest basketball players of all time. So using that logic, he has to go on the list of the Mount Rushmore of figures in KU basketball history. So he would be number two. First is James Naismith, inventor of the game. Second, Wilt Chamberlain. Third, move ahead, Danny Manning. For obvious reasons, he's the leading all-time scorer of the program, leading all-time rebounder of the program. He single-handedly took a ragtag bunch of cast-offs and won a national championship by himself. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves, um, in my opinion, in the broader basketball lexicon because his pro career wasn't quite as stellar as his college career due to injuries. But I, I, I don't think anybody who has any knowledge of let me rephrase. I don't think any Kansas fan would leave him off, and I don't think any random person who has any knowledge of college basketball whatsoever would think Kansas basketball and not immediately think of Danny Manning. So that's why he's on the list. He's third. So number one, James Naismith. Number two, Wilt Chamberlain. Number three, Danny Manning. Last addition to the list. And... I think there, there might be room for debate on this one. 
But my last my last face on the Mount Rushmore of Kansas basketball figures, Bill Self. And here's why. I don't think there is any there will be any coach that will ever grace the sidelines for the Jayhawks that's as dominant, as excellent as Bill Self has been in the 17 or so years he's been at Kansas. I mean, we you got to take a step back. You got to put the 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 frustrating losses aside, the lack of tournament success. I mean, it's a very real thing. I get that. It's very real. It's very frustrating. He should have more national championships than one at this point. I think he would he would say that himself. But that it's not it's not necessarily all about that. If if that was the case, then Jim Calhoun is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And we, it, that's just not true. It's absurd. Kevin Ollie is is as good of a coach as Bill Self, which is absurd. Not the case. So let's put all of the easy negative talking points aside. And let's just look at how spoiled we have been as fans over the last. 17 years. I mean, it's truly astonishing just how successful we have been. Put it to you this way. We talked about this in episode one. The 18-19 season, in my opinion, was the worst season in the last 30 years of KU basketball. What does that mean? Well, all it means is we won 25 games and we won a game in the NCAA tournament. That's the worst season. That's just how good Bill Self is as a basketball coach. And there will be a day when he's not here. And there will be a day when we're going to have to find a replacement. I do not look forward to that day. And if you do, and if every time we lose a game and people go on on the fog or on the message boards and, oh, it's time, it's Self is past his prime, it's time to hang it up, we need to find somebody else, let's go get Chris Beard. That's foolish absolutely foolish and if you really truly believe that i would love to talk to you a week after he decides to either retire or quit or god forbid be fired i would love to talk to you on that day and see where your head's at because i think it's absurd so that's my four um and in my opinion the mount rushmore of ku basketball james naismith wilt chamberlain danny manning and Bill Self. Now, some some notable, well, you forgot this, or you forgot this, and I would love to talk with you on, on Twitter. I would love to discuss, debate, whatever, and I'll give you the Twitter at the end. Um, I would love to talk with you on Twitter about some folks that didn't make the list. So first and foremost, anyone from the like the 60s or the 70s, the JoJo Whites, Clyde Lovelitz, Um, I think you could even make a case for someone like Lynette Woodard. They're, they're, they're not on the list and I wasn't alive. I wasn't a fan when those folks played at KU, but unfortunately those names and those figures kind of get lost in history unless you were alive or you went to KU at the time and you went and watched those people play. It's unfortunate, but it's just kind of the reality that they kind of get forgotten. When you look at the greatness of Wilt Chamberlain, and then you get to the era of Larry Brown, 
in a national championship and then uh, a really good run by Roy Williams and then an even better run, in my opinion, by Bill Self, it's easy for those folks in the 60s and the 70s to kind of get lost in the shuffle. So that's one one particular group that didn't make the list. Fog Allen is not on the list. Obviously, the arena or the gym is is named after him. In my opinion, it's like a chicken and the egg thing. What came first, Naismith or well, Fog Allen learned from James Naismith. I mean, he was a disciple of James Naismith. If it weren't for James Naismith, there is no Fog Allen. That's why he's off the list. A couple more, more recent that that some people may want to put on the list: Mario Chalmers. Because he did provide one of the most iconic moments, not only in KU history, but in NCAA tournament history. And that's a great photograph. The the shot, the photograph from behind as he launches the three to tie the game with like two seconds left or whatever. This is how good of an image that was. My groomsman cake, because I guess the you get your wedding cake and then the groom gets his own cake off to the side. We had that photo superimposed on the cake because I got married the summer after um, we won that championship in 2008. So you you might put him on that list. Um, More recently, Frank Mason. I think Frank Mason has a pretty legitimate argument to be mentioned in the greatest of all time at Kansas. Four excellent, excellent years. Uh, unanimous National Player of the Year in 2017. Um, unfortunately for Frank, and I love Frank, um, and I'll, I'll explain in a little bit. I love Frank more than the next guy. The fact that he didn't he didn't even make a Final Four really really hurts him. As unfair as that is, I think there's a really short list of guys who deserved truly deserved a national title for the University of Kansas. Frank Mason's one of those guys. Uh, Perry Ellis is one of those guys. Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, I think they're two of those guys. But unfortunately, didn't happen. So that's the list of of what I would consider to be the consensus list. And, And here is my personal Mount Rushmore of KU basketball people. So again... Going back to the rules, not necessarily the consensus. This is my own list. So here are my four, and I'll explain why each one of them made the list, and I'll explain why um, some of the ones that I wanted to put on the list didn't make the list. But um, this is in order. So this is not in chronological order. This is in order of importance to me personally. And all of these people are within my fandom timeline so to speak. So we're starting 96, 97 to the present. No offense to Danny Manning or no offense to um, anybody that played before him. I just didn't watch you play. I've gone back and watched you on YouTube, but I didn't watch you live. I didn't have a connection with you because I wasn't on this earth at the time. So my personal list in an, in order of importance, number one, the most important figure to me is Frank Mason. I, I, I remember when Frank was a freshman, and I remember when Frank was a sophomore. We had some rough times. Devontae Graham was a freshman. Frank Mason was a sophomore. Um, We were losing a couple games here and there, and I remember texting a buddy saying, man, this is what we get for recruiting these Division II guards 
because both Graham and Mason were really unheralded recruits. We kind of just found them in the back gym of an AAU tournament. Shame on me for ever, ever thinking anything negative whatsoever about Frank Mason. B-I-F-M. Google it. This is a clean show, so I'm not going to spell it out what that means, but Google it. It's a great song. He is, uh, and and I I threw him in as kind of an honorable mention on the overall Mount Rushmore, but I was truly upset in 2003, like almost to tears, when we lost in the championship game to Syracuse. And and now I'm a grown man, but when we lost to Oregon in 2017 in the Elite Eight, I was I was crushed, hurt. Not no, not uh, again. I'm an adult. I wasn't close to tears, but it truly, truly hurt to see Frank hurting as bad as he did and to see as much as he put in and as much as he loved Lawrence and the university and the program, to see him grow as much as he did as a person and as a player, to see how dominant he was his senior year and for it not to pay off, it kind of goes against the rules of society where good things happen to people who work hard, hard work pays off, all that good stuff that we tell our kids, it hurt for that not to be true for Frank. So he's number one. Um, number two, going back a little bit to uh, to when I first really was a fan, Nick Collison. Now, again, I told you the story of Nick Collison reaching out to me just as a as a kid at basketball camp. That's a big reason why he's on the list. I I feel I have a personal connection to him. Now I'm, I can't text him because I don't have his number, you know. But I feel I have a personal connection to him. I was glad to watch him as a player. I was glad to watch him as a professional. I was glad that his career as the twelfth man on the bench for the Thunder, went on for years and years and years and years and years. He made a lot of money to be a cheerleader. But that's really a testament to how good of a person and how good of a teammate he is, that he had a spot in the NBA just strictly as a teammate. He was cool with not playing. But you need a guy like Nick in your locker room. And you need a guy like Nick on your college basketball team because he was also one of the most dominant players in the country his junior and senior year. One of, the, one of the most iconic games, individual games, and we may do a separate episode on, on this, but one of the most iconic individual performances that I can ever remember as a KU fan was the, the game against Texas in Lawrence where Nick goes off for you know 30 points or whatever and 24 rebounds or whatever. It was on Big Monday on national TV. We were down big in that game, and a guy like Nick – and a guy like Frank, they're not going to let us lose that game. So he's number two. Number one, Frank Mason. Number two, Nick Collison. Number three, again, uh, back to the back to the line. I have to have somebody from the list on my list. Bill Self. And I, I, I fully gushed over Bill Self just a moment ago. I went all self fanboy, self sexual, if you will, um, on the greatness that is Bill Self. Uh, so it's 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 no brainer why he's on the list. Uh, again, I'm I'm gonna be sad 
truly sad the day he decides that he no longer wants to be our coach. And the last one, and this is this is re- uh, recent. Um, call me a victim of recency bias, whatever. Yudoka Azubuki. Now you may say, well, he he only played two seasons, really. He really only played two full seasons. Okay. My response to that is the two full seasons that he played, 2018, we go to the Final Four, and 2020, we're the, the hands-down, unanimous number one team in the country. So I can make the argument that Yudoka Azubuki is the linchpin for a great basketball team and or program. To have a guy like Doak that you can throw it into and know that he's going to dunk it or shoot a hook shot from two feet away at a 75% clip for his entire career, all-time leader in field goal percentage, all-time, not just in KU basketball history, all-time. To have a weapon like that that you know whenever we need a bucket, just throw it to that guy and he'll dunk it, it's a pretty good weapon to have. I think he grew tremendously on defense, especially this this past season. He was always, you know, if you're seven feet tall, why aren't you blocking more shots? You're out of position on, on rebounds. You're not winning rebounds outside of your area. I thought, I thought he had, this season, I thought he had one of the more impressive individual seasons that I can remember in the last 20 years. Just his impact on the game. Now, I didn't... It didn't translate to gaudy numbers on a stat sheet, but anybody who truly understands basketball and watched KU basketball games knows that when Doak was dialed in, and he was dialed in most of this year, self had to, you know, self had to take him out of the starting lineup one time, and that fixed that. After that moment, he was the most dominant player in the country by a country mile. More so than Obi Toppin, more so than Marcus Howard or Peyton Pritchard, anybody else that you want to put on the, the National Player of the Year list. He was the most dominant player in America. He completely changed games. So that's why, in my opinion, that's why he gets on that list. Now, some some notable exceptions. Um, going back, I guess, in chronological order, Paul Pierce, great player, great NBA career, um, just didn't really resonate with me as much as those other guys. And again, this is my list, so I don't have to. I don't have to get into a sports argument about stats and analytical stuff. This is just my list. So he didn't quite resonate with me as much as the other guys. Kirk Heinrich, Kirk was a close second to Nick. I think really those two could go together. But again, rules are rules. Four spots on the list. No one A, one B. No ties. So unfortunately. Uh, for Kirk, Nick was the one who asked me to sit down that day. So he gets on the list and not Kirk. Um, Thomas Robinson, again, he's a lot like uh, he's a lot like Azabuki. He's a lot like Doak in that he kind of alone single-handedly dominated the game. He single-handedly took a bunch, I mean, really a bunch of he took a, a guy a team full of guys like Kevin Young and uh, older Tehan and you know, he took that group to a national championship game. I mean, he was hands down one of the better players in the country that year. And and again, the, the personal stuff that he dealt with that particular season made you pull for him even more. 
Um, but unfortunately, not enough to get on the list. And then um, Perry Ellis. You know, I hurt for Perry. I hurt for Perry um, about as much as I did for Frank when Frank didn't win, didn't even get to a Final Four. It hurt because it's a Kansas kid. It's like he's meant to do this for the Jayhawks. You know, all the jokes about Perry's been there for 20 years. Yeah, I get that. What's kind of separated Perry from Frank is Perry didn't really show as much emotion as Frank did. And Frank Frank did not wear his heart on his sleeve whatsoever. Frank did not, you know, he's he's not he's not a, a real animated guy, but he was more emotional than Perry was. And then lastly, don't have anybody from the 2008 National Championship team. And in my opinion, that team was the epitome of a team. You had guys like Brandon Rush, Darrell Arthur, Mario, uh, Darnell Jackson, Sasha Khan, Sharon Collins, Russell Robinson. You know, that, that was a complete team. And again, rules are rules, only one. And I can't pick with just one guy off of that team. If you had to pick one, it's really easy to pick Mario because he made the shot to send it to overtime. But Jarrell Arthur was great in that game, especially in overtime. Brandon Rush, if he doesn't tear his ACL and come back, we may not win that national championship. Who knows? But it's really hard to pick just one person from that team. So that's why I just, you know, you guys have your trophy, you have your place in history. Let someone else have that spot on my personal Mount Rushmore. So that's that's the kind of consensus Mount Rushmore. KU basketball figures, my personal Mount Rushmore of KU basketball figures. I would love, love to talk, debate, argue these with you. I'd love to see yours. The only way we can do that is if you give us a follow on Twitter at WaveTheWheatPod, P-O-D, twitter.com slash wave the wheat pod always check us out on anchor anchor.fm slash wave the wheat we are on anchor we are on spotify we are working on getting on google apple all the major podcast players so definitely check us out definitely listen and as always we would love 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 to talk debate argue with you about anything that we talk about on this podcast so that's all we got for today. Um, hope to hope to see you next time. Um, don't have a lot of basketball, so it's going to be a lot of talk like this. Mount Rushmore's, a lot of talk about classic games, classic moments, classic performances individually. So if you're under that kind of thing, definitely check us out on Twitter. Twitter give us a follow. Check us out on Anchor or Spotify for the time being. Hopefully we'll catch you on Apple very, very soon. But that's all we got for today. Until next time, thanks for listening, and as always, Rock Chalk.